0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruschi and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to summer in Wisconsin. Yep. We went straight from winter to summer. I hope you're enjoying the 100 degree weather where you are. Or if you live along the lake like I do, it's still 55, 60 degrees. But uh, folks, welcome to uh, the Battleground, Wisconsin. Uh, Robert Craig is with us. He is the executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert welcome happy spring it's It's finally warm here
1: it was not warm in the southeast of wisconsin wednesday but thursday is a very nice late almost late late springish day
0: oh it is just this week's been great to actually uh just feel like we're coming out of winter and it folks it was a long winter metaphorically it's been a long winter uh politically uh and in particular, it's been a long winter of COVID for quite frankly, a couple of years now. Um, And I'll just say to start the show, you know, we record Thursday mornings, and last night uh, we had a really excellent event in Milwaukee. Uh, I want to thank our organizer, Barbara Serta for pulling it together, but just, it was so great to be out and see people again uh, because, because Robert COVID's been it's been such a defining thing. And it's this pandemic. We've talked, we've talked about it almost every week, uh, for two years. And, um, it's in the news again, uh, because we're about to hit surpass a million deaths here in America. And that's, um, it's a staggering number it's staggering, uh, no matter how you look at it, but even a staggering uh, given early on in the pandemic, what we thought would have been a number uh, like this would have pretty much blown our minds, but yet here we are. Um, and it's also, Robert, before I send it to you to sort of take stock and get your reflections, you know, it, it's it's worth noting that America, is we remain one of the top countries in terms of the amount of deaths, you know, and I, at some point we have to take stock in the reality that in spite of being one of the quote most wealthy, powerful, we'll put this in parentheses. Now, democratic places in the world, we handled COVID in some ways, and you know, with the most most amount of deaths of just about any place. Robert, uh, this is a huge, huge number, and it is worth taking stock. and And, and it's also worth noting the president is 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 um, not dodging this, and and certainly. Um, talking about this as it should be it's a lot of it's a lot of loss of life robert
1: to the president's credit though the president has been i would have to assess mixed on covid which is better than the uh, previous president who has been embarrassingly god awful and uh, criminally so on covid but you know it was famously said the death of one man is a tragedy the death of millions is a statistic and that's the problem we're not reacting like it to million. And that was not Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin that said that. That was Joseph Stalin who knew something about killing millions. Okay. So it does challenge my optimistic view of human nature that there are so many people that are willing to heedlessly ignore this and continue as life as usual and not do what's necessary. Unfortunately, my reading is, is that we are very much social animals who came up in small clans and that when the advice is divided, people will tend to splinter off or figure out a way to to engage what they think is their self-interest or their desires. And we're seeing that, like the overwhelming desire to be in vacation spots, to in planes and not to have even a cloth mask on you, right? I mean, the reaction against basic safety measures. Fundamentally, the Republicans and the whole right have been criminal on this because they've exploited this division. Fox News, for-profit, continues to raise questions about the vaccine, push every crank theory on prime time for millions of people, okay? That's awful. Democrats are more problematic in that they know they understand uh, much better how bad it is and what needs to get done, and then they'll lack the courage to do it and, uh, and kowtow to the politics of it, which of course have become a straight out public backlash from large peasants of the society, which is really scary. So we've got to reassess what happened. This polarization, this division, having a whole side of the political spectrum that's trying to take power, that's willing to say anything, cause any damage to have power, that is the—that is who modern conservatives are, okay? And this demonstrates that again. And they're doing the same thing on a bigger scale with climate. Because, But Democrats aren't doing enough on climate given the emergency, which is gonna be a lot more than a million people will kill. We don't know, it may not stop at a million because to his credit, Biden and the White House are warning of another large surge because we haven't done everything we need to do. We have not vaccinated the world. We are privileging uh, pharmaceutical uh, patents and their profits over vaccinating the world, which is not only unethical and criminal. You know, we talk about racial, structural racism, given it's the Southern hemisphere that is predominantly black and brown and is predominantly unvaccinated, relatively speaking. Uh, but it's not in our interest because there will be another surge in more deaths. And I, I just close on this, Matt. Fundamentally, Democrats have given in to some degree to the Republican claim this is all an individual choice. And we have rampant toxic individuals in this country, let me name it. And it's not when you're infecting other people. Just the basic thing that your rights end when they interfere with other people's rights, like infecting them with a deadly disease that concept needs to be reestablished. We did not challenge vaccine mandates from the early 1800s with Supreme Court decision upholding it for smallpox all the way to right now. That's how bad it is. But now we're saying, well, whatever you feel safe doing, I'm sorry, people who are older, immune deficient, or people we just don't know, right? that they're, that they're more vulnerable, you are causing death. By being by being irresponsible, and we're saying, "Well, if I feel safe, it's my right to go," you'll know, fill in the blank, Matt. So it, we, got, we got to keep calling out the morality, but we got to get down to also the basic public health thing that we have a we have not invested in public health yeah. for decades and decades, and we're still not. Uh, that you, that- you would have learned this in the pandemic because there are going to be more pandemics. The global warming. There's scary articles out there mm-hmm. from scientists saying that global warming is producing already. A series of new pandemics.
0: Yeah, I, look, I I think that the two big things that we have to, and we're going to continue to stay focused on, and we'll probably have to be the chow on again uh, from Justices Global. We've had on a number of times to talk about what you raised, Robert, is we still have this issue about the global vaccination, uh, vaccine uh, waiver, and uh, not not occurring and, and basically having still large segments of the globe that don't really have access to this, uh, and uh, that's a, a, absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. But it it's it's um it's revealed as as we've said in this country that there's there's a deep division that going forward, right? Like just our ability to handle both future surges of. COVID, but additional viruses um, and other issues that require collective action uh, is going to be challenging. And quite frankly, science and our ability to act collectively, I mean, it's not only is it the basis of democracy in a civilization, it, it just sort of is, it's, it's kind of essential, uh, but yet it's really revealed that that is very tenuous right now in this country. And I I would say increasingly globally. Um, And so we're going to have to continue to track that. But Robert, before we go to break, I do want to get, I know it's a sharp transition, but we got to move on. (laughs) We do have to move on because we have so much coming on and we're going to be joined uh, uh, with a guest here uh, in the next segment. So Robert, uh, there was a primary election on Tuesday um and uh we all of the stuff a lot of the division we're talking about is because of trump in some ways or at least trump is a symbolic of the new republican party and the party of trump uh was a little bit of a referendum maybe we could say uh in the primary on tuesday around trump and his endorsements your thoughts before we go to break
1: so i'll go one week back we have trump weighing in and trying to pick winners Honestly, and media is all over it and all punditizing about whether whether he loses or wins one, what it means for him. I, I I actually believe it doesn't matter if he wins or loses as long as they're kowtowing to him. And and again, the, the traditional media is misunderstanding this whole thing. He can lose a bunch of them; it doesn't matter. The point is to make them all afraid of him and to and it, and to have a huge impact, which he does. So. He won the Ohio primary for the former Never Trumper, J.D. Vance, Mr. Hillbilly Elegy, that was a highly unethical person. So that's our Senate nominee in Ohio against Tim Ryan. Uh, In West Virginia, we had two incumbents district together. The the incumbent that had uh, much more of the district, in other words, that that is probably going to, was likely to win, uh, that is McKinney lost by almost 20 points to Mooney, who was the Trump guy, and Moody's under indictment and in federal investigation. So that one is scary. Uh, the other one's a more traditional conservative, but very conservative. And then Nebraska, some of the pundits are saying for governor that the fact that the Trump candidate Herbster fell three points so short means that Trump lost. I'm sorry, this man has been accused of sexual harassment and assault by it, a dozen women, and he almost won this primary, and Trump doesn't care. Trump is, they in fact, the candidates, they're winning off and kowtowed to Trump, they just didn't get the endorsement. So what does this mean? It means he's hes taken over the party for all intents and purposes, because anyone who does not at least kowtow him, whether he endorses them or not, isn't going to be elected. And if he gets a New Jersey resident, uh, the, 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 the celebrity Dr. Oz uh, in through Pennsylvania, I mean, he's close. He may win. It's a very close race. Then, you know, then he's won. But the other ones are no less Trumpy. They just don't have the Trump, uh, you know, brand on them.
0: And with that, folks, we got to take our first break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. Find us at (laughs) CitizenActionWI.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Robert's fully caffeinated, and I need to get up to speed to match his uh, Trump excitement. Uh, look, hey, Robert, I I hear you. I When I hear anyone talk about like trying to figure out, oh, I, and I use the term when I introduce the topic to you somehow that this was a, a referendum or, you know, how's How's Trump doing? It's absolutely ridiculous. All you need to know, folks, Tommy Thompson went and visited Donald Trump. He has completely taken over control of the party. Everybody is trying to sound like Trump. They're all trying to say they're the most Trumpian. And Trump's all over the friggin' map, by the way, on who he's endorsing. There's no like consistency oh. so like it means nothing it, it just it means nothing he's already right. all means
1: he has a hammerlock on the party <laughs> win or lose any of these races right he's
0: like i'll pick this you know and so please folks don't get too uh wound up in all that it it just doesn't matter uh, Robert- doesn't,
1: the other thing he doesn't even care if they were against him as long as he scares them to being for him jd vance was against him uh people like uh the the wannabe House Speaker and McCarthy, and then um, uh, uh, at Lamar, and then uh, you know the horrendous senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. They are they are on tape saying awful things, but Trump's fine as long as they then come and grovel. So, um, in fact, that proves Trump's power if they said bad things and then they grovel and support him.
0: Look, folks, all you need to do is look at what people are talking about. Uh, he's everywhere, and by the way. Um, we're not going to dive into this, but the other thing reminding you of the power of Trump. Uh, Robin Voss is going to continue to pay Michael Gableman huh. over five thousand dollars a month to basically do protection nothing. racket, isn't it? That... Do nothing. OK. And keep that's the protection just...
1: racket from Trump. Keep Trump attacked yes. Him again.
0: Keep Trump off his we back. we were
1: asking whether Trump would attack him again or whether he'd be able to let Gableman go and Trump attacked him again and Gableman was retained. So as predicted. So, so it,
0: Robert let's uh stop talking about the republicans i know you have some thoughts about you you well hey folks no shock here robert has some thoughts about how democrats ought to be uh positioning running you know what it takes to win robert i know you uh, would like to talk about uh, josh fetterman uh, who is dominating right now in early polling in the um, uh, pennsylvania senate primary robert
1: yeah, it's not that early, they're close to their primary, they're not a the late primary like us. Um, and I have some Pennsylvania cred, but I'm not going to say that I'm a deep PA oh, yeah. funder. Robert,
0: you're wearing your University of Pittsburgh okay. shirt. I was born record, at, at University you know. of
1: Pennsylvania Hospital in Philadelphia, when my dad was getting his PhD at Penn and I, my undergraduate institution was University of Pittsburgh. So I know, so I know both sides of Pennsylvania. Um, what's really interesting is this was supposed to be, a, this is very much like Wisconsin. The two uh, leading places to flip re- Democrat, Republican seats are the open seat in Pennsylvania and then Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. They have a very competitive primary, multiple caddies that were thought to have a chance to win. And especially though there was a really, there's a really good state senator from African-American state senator from Philadelphia who a lot of the social justice groups support but Connor Lamb, the very successful congressman, much more of a moderate, but kind of a progressive moderate, um, you know, that was supposed to be a neck and neck waste. Fetterman going into the primary right now is 33 points up. And who is Josh Fetter, if you don't know? He's lieutenant governor. He's a former mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, a deindustrialized town outside of Pittsburgh, uh, very diverse. I mean, in, in, in the Pittsburgh area, it's not like other major cities where the the deindustrialization devastation is in the city. All the industry had already moved out to the collar areas, so that's where the devastation is. Pittsburgh itself is gleaming because it wasn't really that industrial when deindustrialization and the global, uh, you know, anti-worker conspiracy hit in the late '70s and through Reagan and Clinton, and so he is. An old-fashioned populist, he 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 tries not to take the progressive or moderate label, which has gotten some weird punditry about he's a he's a saying he's not progressive. The man's for single payer, he talks about mass incarceration, he talks about climate racism, he talks about progressive issues. He doesn't say single Medicare for all, Medicare for all over and over again. He says healthcare is a right, but he is a supporter of Medicare for all. So he is clearly a progressive vote, but he is. Tapping into the emotions, he's a real working-class guy. Uh, he has tons of videos on his website. It is heavy heart, you know. It is heavy-hitting stuff about mass incarceration and about the healthcare crisis and about, you know, environmental racism and so and and about marijuana. He was one of the early proponents of legalizing uh, uh, marijuana, and so I think that it's that what's interesting to me is it's a much more populist playbook than we're seeing so far in the Democratic primary, which is earlier, in other words, in its process in Wisconsin. And I think some that this is the, the, something they have to lean into. If you're going to lean into the anger and popul- fake populism of the right, you need to lay into how people really want change in our system. But the way to do it is really siding with average people against big corporations about against mass incarceration, against, against the fossil fuel industry, et cetera, against the healthcare industry, et cetera. So when he's very plain spoken dresses a working class, man looks the part very, interesting.
0: let me just interrupt you. He doesn't look the part, Robert, he is the part. And that's yeah. something that like, I just, I just want to add good point. You can't look you can't ha- say we don't, we should just have Fetterman here. Fetterman's Fetterman. That guy, like, dude, this guy's got okay. I'm gonna roll up my arm for you because the dude's got arm sleeve tattoos that reflect his actual lived experience. That's what we need more of. We need more of somebody who actually comes from. The experience of feeling left out like a lot of our communities in rural areas in all parts of the state feel left out in milwaukee right that's the actual connection and he legitimately represents that lived experience and the aspirations he's been articulating it for a number of years now he's actually succeeded and taking that governing experience, he didn't just start talking about it because he was running for office and the pollsters told him it was popular. He True. governed on it. OK, so he's the real deal. All right. And so and his who he is is authentic and it's beautifully right for that state. Um, let me just say I will say I, I do think, for example, if you look at someone like a Mandela Barnes, he is a, authentically who he is. I do think he candidates as who he is. He's not anything like a Fetterman in terms of his lived experience, even though he's from Milwaukee. Um, but I do think he's authentic. And I do think he goes and takes that and does talk about the connection, the same things and that we share, uh, both in a place like Milwaukee, along with you know all the communities and rural areas that dot the state. I do think what you're talking about, Robert, is critically important. That all of our candidates understand that, in the populist message and the issues, right? Not getting caught up in the dogma of a particular title is super important. So, uh, yeah. it's it's a great. And Robert, you're right to raise this. But we'll put a link, folks, should go watch uh, and just see how um, how he communicates and talks. It's it's um, it's, uh, it's great to th- great to uh, to diagnose.
1: I think that was very well said, and I'm glad you said it. A couple of key things you said is, yeah, I'm not talking about, I've never believed in this, like just a rebranding of someone different than their life. I think it needs to be authentic and we need authentic people running. I Deep do up. think sometimes, and he's done that and he's been consistent and he's leaning into it um, and he's running at least against the, the, main, the, front, the other main front runner who was the front runner, uh, Connor Lamb comes off more, much more as a polished politician who is messaged up, even though he's very slick and effective. I mean, he's a, he's an effective politician, but he doesn't come off nearly as real. Um, and uh, so, I think that's very, very well put. I do worry in our race, and each candidate that's a front runner currently in our state senate race has different things they could lean into. I think some of them were being advised to pull their punches and not to go all the way with the, the populist emotion of it. And I, I, I refer back to something we talked about, um, you know, a while ago on Battleground Wisconsin, UGov, which is a research entity, which was commissioned by Jacobin Magazine, a very progressive magazine. They did research on what would be the most effective kind of candidate. And it was someone running on a progressive economic populist kind of agenda in a very authentic and very plain emotional way. And in fact, it said the best candidate to do this would be an African-American candidate, though a white one doing it would be very effective as well. I just worry that the political consultants that people hire, because they hire the ones with the credentials, are steering them the wrong way. And they need the right doesn't avoid emotion. We need to lean into authentic, progressive populist emotion for what's being done to people who are the real... Culprits and people not having a fair chance in our country, um, and we can't match it with some sort of poll-tested thing that's supposed to not offend anyone. And I, 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 so I, I'm not calling out. I'm not just talking about Mandela, who does have authenticity, but I think he could have more of it, and that's what I'm proposing. And the others could have more, uh, more, more of it differently. I think Tom Nelson is trying, but. He does tend to get a little wonky sometimes. He needs to lean in even more to his own personal narrative, such as in his book, in terms of his presentation.
0: And with that, folks, we're going to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're, of course, all over social media. Um, Facebook in particular but also Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Folks one I also can uh, really strongly encourage you uh, to join one of our organizing co-ops we'll have a link in our web site uh, uh, to this podcast where you can click on and join one of our co-ops that's our membership
1: chapters all over the state folks.
0: So with that folks we'll see you right after this break. Welcome back the battleground wisconsin again we're citizen action robert wanted to talk with you about ron johnson we you know we talk we talk a bit about ron johnson on the show but it's been a little while and um everybody who listens to the show knows ron johnson is up for re-election um and ron johnson is definitely running i'm not gonna say it's an unusual uh uh campaign, but it's, it is the new trend. It's a Trumpian campaign in terms of understanding that his goal is to get his base, very conservative, very right-wing, um, very Republican, very angry, um, fired up. So every one of them votes in this election. And again, this is what we call an off year election, right? No presidential. So turnout just naturally goes down. Without a presidential. So it is, there is some really strong, good social science, right? And campaign science and understanding this is a base election. You got to get your people out. But Robert, there's like going for the base and then there's Ron, right? Like Ron has really defined a very hard right base. And part of it that I think there's a bit of overreach. And I think it's definitely. On his positions on healthcare, in particular, he has, in March, started running around saying he is for repealing the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says he's going to replace it. Nobody believes him, uh, and there's no political will to do anything. So people get that. And more bizarrely, Robert he got on and got out front and jumped all up and down for the Scott Rick Scott era, the Florida florida uh uh senators ridiculous plan. he's the
1: head of the senate campaign committee so he is okay. in charge of their elections mr scott he's yeah, a former the... ceo of a corrupt hospital chain that was uh found to have, have, have fraudulently uh defrauded medicare and
0: medicaid yeah yeah so this guy he's a real loser and and only in a place like florida maybe you know <laughs> or the south would he he get elected but anyways he signed on to this bill that folks is basically gonna get rid of medicare medicaid social security raise taxes on a lot of americans particularly lower income and working folks it just seems insane even um even you know conservatives fox news uh, when he announced this, kind of was like, are you serious? <laughs> You're going to do this? Fox News was asking what's wrong with you? Robert, uh, is is Ron Johnson just really, really smart and, and just way ahead of the curve on this in terms of really understanding where we're headed this November? Or is this just really, he's just dangerous um, and this is going to cost him. It, it ought to, this is, this stuff's very popular, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Robert,
1: I agree with most of your framing, but uh, let me, um, I, I, it's in the main right, but let me, um, let me take a couple step, steps back here. Um, well, what we now know, read Craig Gelbert's excellent journalism in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, we know this nationally as well, there's a myth of the swing voter. There used to be tons of ticket splitters, there aren't any more, but we still have consultants advising candidates, St. Tony Evers, to to try to go and get these voters, right? So that's important because partisanship's always been important, but if it's even more important in a polarized society, then you have more leeway. You're not gonna lose people, even if you do crazy ass shit. And that's what Trump showed. Trump has confounded Republicans twice now. Access Hollywood scandal, they thought he was gone and started throwing in the towel and the same with leading a violent insurrection to prevent his his unelection. And then they got caught on tape, a number of them, and then they had to reverse themselves again. And in Wisconsin, the polls were wrong, two straight presidential elections, by a ginormous amount, not a real word, I know, seven to eight points, largest in the country, because they underestimated Republican turnout, because it worked for Trump. And Johnson is leading into the Trump strategy and it is far from clear that he'll pay enough of a price with, with supposedly reasonable suburban Republicans for it not to work. Because if he gets a much larger turnout and we don't inspire our base, he wins. So the question is, is there any limit? Now, Rick Scott, this is a divide in their party, went forward with this platform for all Senate Republicans which that, that was quickly di- disavowed by uh, the majority leader by Mitch Ron McConnell. Johnson and then Ron Johnson leaned in and leaned in on repealing and replacing ACA and by the way that doesn't make it popular either that was their previous <laughs> mantra and then they they pulled him back and so what's interesting is we talked about it in March they pulled him back now he's back kind of saying he's going to get rid of it again he hasn't really stopped and in May, so in other words, they kind of have him controlled. At least it's not out of it got out of that media cycle that he had um, reversed himself. And here's why it's important, Matt. You're correct about the fundamental insight here. Healthcare is not polling is the biggest issue this cycle, which is unusual, right? It's being trumped by things like inflation, right? But healthcare
0: is a part of inflation, a major part I'm of getting it. Getting there. <laughs> uh, ha, pardon ha, ha. Me. Pardon, Sorry, pardon the Sorry, interruption, Doctor Craig.
1: Pardon the interruption. <laughs> but polling shows, this is where the consultants can be very lame. So then they don't talk about health care because people didn't pick it out of a list. That's not what works here. Two of the three top inflationary issues are healthcare. And once you test it out, two of the three top issues are healthcare costs, prescription drug costs, and the cost of medical care generally, like when you get, need to go to the hospital and what, and what happens with your insurance and all denial of claims, okay? So it's a huge issue, and it's on our side. We're going to have to see if the Senate uh, Democratic nominee, the Democrat, is sophisticated in leaning in on health care, because if there's anything that could make uh, uh, Ron Johnson pay a price— for, his, for everything, the insurrection, the I'm not afraid of the insurrectionists because they're white and all the other crazy stuff about COVID and COVID denial and taking you know tranquilizers for horses and, and cows to, to prevent COVID, all of that stuff, all the weird shit about um, Ukraine and about Hunter Biden that he's still doing on, on Fox News regularly, none of that necessarily will matter. Healthcare could if we can make it agenda set it for voters where it is top of mind for voters that the fact that I can't afford my prescription drugs or my mother is skipping uh, you know her her doses or I'm afraid to go to the hospital when I'm sick because I'm afraid I'll be charged thousands of dollars even though I'm insured to blame that on and get the fear of that which is real to what happens if Ron Johnson is senator so this is a golden opportunity but is our side able to take it is the question
0: and and Robert I'm going to transition us here sort of put it in the context that I think is actually happening. Healthcare, healthcare is going to is, is, is increasingly a huge issue because of abortion. It is the most, one of the most important healthcare issues I'll see. Is Abortion. See. in the right, right. So if we want to talk about, we're headed into a quote base election. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I know you Uh, put this in a list that we keep listeners. We little inside secret. We keep a list of things we'd like to talk about. And Robert told me he's very interested in talking about. He's been thinking, I'm guessing as I walk, walk, watch him pace right now in his condo, uh, he's been thinking a lot about abortion in the midterms and, and, and sort of um, what its role is. So Robert, since we're having this conversation about healthcare, its role, with the quote issue of inflation and just healthcare as a permanent standing issue. Abortion now is front and center. It is a going to be a dominant issue. It is. It's in the it, welcome. It's in the race. It's definitely in the Senate race, but it's in all these races. Your thoughts now, uh, a week later, uh, on just how will it play? Will it turn the midterms? Will it change this overall dynamic that, uh, everyone says is so challenging for Democrats?
1: You know, there was a lot of brave talk that if this happened, when it looked like when the Supreme Court went and didn't strike down the outrageous Texas bounty law, um, and it looked like the oral argument's bad on the Mississippi law, um, but before the leak, that it would change the whole 2022 election, okay, because polling is 60% uh, for for, abor- for abortion rights. Look, polling Wisconsin, 75% for badge care expansion, the Republicans get away Budget after budget. So we got to get over this idea that something is popular.
0: Marijuana, you know, 60 elections. plus. Yeah.
1: So it's like, more pundit. Sick be, leave. Okay? <laughs> um, in fact, it's about motivation and it's about whether you will turn out because of it if you weren't going to otherwise, or whether you would switch your preference for candidate or party based on it. And you know what? It's unclear in the early returns in places like Texas. It is unclear. In other words, it may well be that everyone is likely to vote and who is already or is likely to, 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 to make this an important issue is already voting for the Democrat. And so we're going to have to figure out how to make it an issue that, that drives more turnout or causes more ticket splitting. And we don't know if that's going to be possible or not. I know I have some confidence. I I, I Folks don't all know this. Planned Parenthood does. Excellent opinion research. I mean, the sophisticated stuff with real psychologists and sociologists, not the not the idiot polling. And I'm hoping that they they have a pathway here. But this could swing the 2022 election. It's necessary to defend this constitutional right. It's necessary to defend other ones like gay marriage on the chopping block. You know, the governor of Mississippi refused to rule out uh, signing a bill that would ban contraception. I mean, really in 2022, yeah, that's right, on the Sunday morning shows. And so, but we don't know, we can't just assume it, and we need to figure it out, and we need to figure out how to actually reach the voters who weren't gonna vote otherwise. And here's my little concern, you don't really worry that much about it until you need it. And I just wonder if it's gonna be top of mind for people who are not in the situation of potentially you
0: know, having an unplanned pregnancy. Right. With that, folks, we got to take our final break. We're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. We really want to encourage you all, our listeners. You listen regularly. We know. We see the numbers. We know you're listening. Folks, we we, we really want you to come to our brew fest. It's going to be Wednesday, June 22nd in Milwaukee, at our office in the evening. Come on by. Again, we'll have more details. We'll have a link on uh, this podcast's webpage uh, where you can um, make a commitment, sign up. It's very important. Uh, We really want to encourage you to get involved. And again, come come, uh, uh, hang out with us, right? and it's we're 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 just it's just very exciting to be able to get back in space with each other and so we hope you uh can take the time join us for the brew fest i know we've got robert we got a lot of beer that's already uh uh committed and coming in i assume we're gonna have some minacqua brewing i i I
1: believe a number of cases have been (laughs) uh, donated already or pledged by our good friend kirk bangstad who many thank you kirk
0: Yeah, the owner
1: of the brewing company. And for those of you up north this year, indulge and bring some back. That's the most progressive beer in the country, in the state.
0: Yeah, yeah. If If you're in Chicago,
1: Revolution Brewing, and I specifically recommend Eugene Debs Porter, the great socialist leader.
0: (laughs) Yeah, folks. And look, if you don't drink, don't worry about it. We're going to have plenty of Ah, non-alcoholic And food will be provided by bounds. Oh, there you go. Ryan Clancy, Ryan Clancy,
1: I understand is running for state assembly.
0: It was good to see Ryan Clancy last night. Came out to our Milwaukee event, uh, uh, honoring and thanking all the folks who got involved in spring elections and uh, our endorsed candidates who won, which included Ryan's uh, back on the Milwaukee County County Board. So, Robert, before we end the show, I. I think one of the really, really important um, things that we were talking about when we were talking about healthcare, we're talking about sort of what are the issues that are going to dominate this election cycle? And um, one of the things that we talk about a lot and we know is super important, and there's been a, you know, I'll just say a little bit of frustration at the state level in terms of um, having something that around climate inequity and trying to deal with you know, these critical pressing issues of the climate genocide that we speak about and just horrendous uh, economic inequality, racial segregation and how that leads to economic uh, 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 inequality. And so a huge opportunity to try and meld these two and and certainly uh, at the national level, the Green New Deal and some of the things that we were supporting in uh, Build Back Better, try to address um we talked in our last show i believe or it was two weeks ago about uh, governor evers uh has certainly gotten out there and has the first climate plan for the state but still we're a bit behind on any real serious legislation and i i i know you've been involved we've been involved here at citizen action working to try to address that with some of the you know people who are really leading in uh, the state legislature. And I wanted to give you an opportunity just to sort of preview and talk about uh, that possibility to have something that could you know, uh, be legislation that reflects our vision that uh, we can inject into this election.
1: Well, I am prepared on May 12th to hereby predict that we'll have an exciting climate and jobs bill to talk about in early June. Uh, so, but let me talk about the overall situation. Uh, taking a half step back. I think you all, let me repeat my general theme. I agree with the great women's rights activist in the 20s who said she learned after hard experience. So if you get every, any, anything done in America is through is one of the two major political parties. So I've long thought that we need to move the Democratic Party to be a progressive party, okay, and there's a huge amount of progress to be made. We have more progressive Congress and a bigger faction, the Progressive Caucus, than we've had in at least 50 years, okay. And so, but we we are a necessary partnership with moderates. So when when I when we have kind of tough love with Tony Evers, we know that Tony Evers can't win and we can't win without each other. But we will also have a job to try to move him to the more progressive end. So I want to praise Governor Evers for coming out proactively in an election year with a serious climate framework, his clean energy plan, as he is calling it. And he will be stumping around the state on that. In fact, we may, uh, if we can figure it out, do some things with the governor on that. He is to be commended. Now, he's also a careful politician who's listening to some of its standard democratic consultants, the ones that were grew up in the 19, cut their teeth in the 1990s and the early aughts. And so he's not really fleshed out the hard things that you'd have to do legislatively to actually cut greenhouse emissions in half by 2030, which is our only chance of not having runaway climate change and genocidal consequences. Um, he is, to his credit, leaning in on equity. It's about a 200 page plan. Uh, but it's a framework and it's a process. Um, and it, it, it's at least a commitment of the state, which is the first thing we've ever had of that kind. We are way behind. We have less fossil fuel percentage wise than any other upper and Midwestern state, a substantial less in Iowa. Okay. And our biggest utility, We Energies, in, in, uh, in the eastern part of the state, We Energies is one of the worst, according to the ratings, for profit utilities in the country as far as what they've done on climate, yet they are proposing a large rate increase because of their climate investments, which is a lie because renewable energy is cheaper. So within that framework, I mean, I'm talking about Governor Reivers' framework and the important progress and who using his bully put that, and he's got a key to do it, to advance the climate and equity issue. And why climate equity together, as you said, Matt, because if we're gonna reopen the economy and reinvent it to, uh, to, to make it sustainable, to prevent a climate disaster, it's an opportunity to think think through all of the mistakes the last 50 years that made it highly inequitable. It's not shared prosperity anymore. Most of the benefits go to the top 0.1%. And racial inequality has not improved in the least since the 1960s, which is shocking. We are not a less racist society because that is the ultimate measure of racism. If our if our economic system, if how likely you are to be rich or poor or prosperous, is color coded, which it is. Look at any demographic data. It is, and so this is a huge opportunity. Governor Evers be commended for leaning into it. But what needs to also happen is legislators need to start introducing versions of bills. And so this climate and jobs bill that I cannot fully talk about yet will be kind of the progressive answer to how we'd actually do this and actually meet the climate target and actually create to scale a massive number of good union jobs that are, that are available for all the folks who do have access to good jobs now, which is everyone, every person mostly in our society benefits except the top 1%, maybe your shareholders at We Energies, right? Um, and But disproportionately black and brown people. We also need to understand this point, There are more poor white people than poor black and brown people and we need to understand that this is something that benefits everyone that racism hurts everyone except the most rich the richest people in our country we all would benefit and we're both we're all giving things up by allowing them to govern based on racial divisions and other divisions so more to come but Others will introduce legislation too, right, Matt? And my criterion is going to be: does it actually meet the target? Or we, we, the time has passed? It's an emergency, right? The time has passed for good-sounding bills that don't actually meet the ante. Okay. Yeah, look,
0: look. The reality. I mean, and I mean, you started the discussion with uh, Governor Evers is to be commended for for getting this framework out. But that framework demands action. As you said, it demands legislative action. And so um, we need we need not only this proposal that we hope will be out very shortly, but other, other ideas, right? Because then we can start to actually get serious about tackling this. And folks, we're already way behind. And we is- love
1: it. If there's a Republican idea, they should put it out there. We should debate whether it's really an idea or not, right? I mean, seriously, this is what... We don't debate things in legislatures anymore. The purpose in the creation of this form of government was to have a constant debate over options and solutions to our biggest problems. And that's been shut down by gerrymandering and by the making of of debate in legislatures irrelevant. It doesn't matter. This is why debating well in the legislature matters little because it's already decided. Right. Mm -hmm. So really, and then the public is cheated because it doesn't, it's not, treated in elections and during legislative session to a real debate on the issues and the ability to choose what is best.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when we're having these discussions, substantive discussions, um, it also helps us expose, quite frankly, the real culprits behind all this. And it's the folks who've taken over our government and our political process since the 1970s, corporate America and the powerful elites, folks,
1: Uh, fuel industry, utilities, We're You're... taking over the regulatory structure, so it's going to prove their rate increases when they're completely unjustified and they're for profit reasons.
0: So, folks, keep listening to the battleground Wisconsin. We're going to continue to keep an eye on uh, on on all of these issues as we head into this really, really critical election year. Again, uh, want to remind you all: please um, get get save the date Wednesday. June 22nd, Blue Really want to see you there. I want to thank our producer, Brian Woolridge, who uh, makes the podcast happen every week. Thank you, Brian Woolridge. Folks, we'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.